In the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic, perhaps no European nation was hit harder than Italy. On January 31st, 2020, a couple from Wuhan, China arrived in Milan, carrying the virus with them. From this point on, the virus spread rapidly within Italy and large clusters of coronavirus were soon found in Lombardy and Veneto. By the end of April, there were over 100,000 confirmed cases of the virus in Italy. Due to the fact that Italy has an aging population, many Italians were at an especially high risk of death from the virus, and in Lombardy, the death rate of the virus peaked at over 20%. Despite this early susceptibility, Italy has mostly contained the virus recently. Today, on July 7th, there have only been 138 new cases since yesterday. On March 21st, that number was 6,557. Still, as a nation that relies heavily on tourism revenue, the Italian economy was devastated by the pandemic. The Economist predicts that Italy will see a 7% decline in GDP for 2020. COVID-19 is likely the most serious issue facing Italy since the time when Prime Minister Silvio Berlusconi complimented Barack Obama's tan. Italy can easily be described as a global power. The nation has the 8th largest economy in the world and has the 23rd largest population in the world. Italy also uses the euro, the second largest reserve currency in the world. As a member of the European Union, the G7, and NATO, Italy has considerable political power on a global stage. At 82.7 years, Italy has the 7th highest life expectancy in the world, and it ranks 29th on the Human Development Index. It has the 5th highest number of annual tourists in the world, and it has the most UNESCO World Heritage sites in the world as a result of its rich cultural history. Italy also has the 8th most powerful military with 165,000 active personnel and a budget of almost 30 billion dollars. Needless to say, it is a very powerful nation, but it hasn't always been at peace. While the Italian campaign in World War II and the Mafia Wars are both very well-known eras of violence in Italy, there was a lesser-known period of political turmoil in Italy between the 1960s and 1980s. I'm going to tell you all about it right now on Historia Obscura. Welcome to Historia Obscura. This is the 14th episode of this podcast, and I'm excited for you to listen to this episode. Special thank you to Patreon subscribers SodakZak. If you want to receive a shoutout in every episode, among other benefits, help support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash historiaobscura and becoming a patron. One more thing, make sure to stick around for a little to hear a message about the sponsor of this episode of Historia Obscura. 
Anchor. If you want to make your own podcast, you'll want to know everything about how to use Anchor. Italy has a long and storied past, dating back thousands of years, likely too complex for a 15-minute podcast episode. So here's a brief synopsis of Italy's history. From the Roman Kingdom, to the Roman Republic, to the Roman Empire, to the Western Roman and Byzantine Empires, Italy started off as one of the earliest governments in European history. After centuries of smaller kingdoms, city-states, and Napoleonic rule, Italy was unified in 1861 under the rule of King Victor Emmanuel II. In 1922, fascist Prime Minister Benito Mussolini came to power and allied Italy with Nazi Germany. Italy fought alongside the Axis powers during World War II, and in 1945, Italy was liberated by Allied forces and Mussolini was executed. Following World War II, Italy joined NATO, the United Nations, and the European Economic Community, and the nation saw a decade of economic prosperity. At this time, there were two major political parties in Italy, the center-right Partito Democrazia Cristiana, or Christian Democracy Party, and the far-left Partito Comunista, or Communist Party. The left-wing Partito Socialista, or Socialist Party, had a smaller number of supporters, but many were still skeptical to support the party, as Mussolini had previously been a member of it. In a strategic attempt to split the left-wing vote, the Christian Democracy Party encouraged the Socialist Party to rebrand themselves as the Social Democratic Party. This rebranding proved successful for the party, as they became more competitive with the two major parties. However, the Socialist Party and Communist Party did indeed split the left-wing vote, and from 1946 to 1994, the Christian Democracy Party dominated the Italian government. Decades of rule by the Christian Democracy Party created a counterculture movement among working-class Italians. This led to massive labor strikes among Italian factory workers in 1968, in a time known as Hot Autumn. Now bear in mind, this was in the midst of the Cold War, and as a result, there was a lot of public fear about communism. Several far-right neo-fascist groups, such as the New Order and National Vanguard, decided to take advantage of this fear. These groups committed many terrorist attacks against labor unions and socialist student groups under the guise of protecting Italy from communism. Clashes between far-left and far-right militants became common in Italy and in 1969, Milan police officer Antonio Anaruma was killed during one of these clashes. The same year, far-right militants bombed the headquarters of the Italian National Agriculture Bank in Piazza Fontana, Milan, killing 17 people and wounding 88 more. In 1970, University of Trento student Renato Curzio and his wife, Margarita Cagol, founded the Red Brigades, a far-left terrorist group. 
the Red Brigades would become the dominant far-left paramilitary organization of the years of lead, continuing to revolt against the Italian government even after Corsio was captured in 1975 and his wife was killed in a shootout with police. On March 16, 1978, former Italian Prime Minister and then leader of the Christian Democracy Party, Aldo Moro, was commuting through Rome when his car was ambushed by several members of the Red Brigades. Five of Moro's bodyguards were shot and killed, and Moro was kidnapped. Moro was held hostage in an apartment in Rome for 54 days, during which the Red Brigades demanded that the Christian Democracy Party cede some of its power to the Communist Party and release imprisoned Red Brigades members. The government refused, and Moro spent much of his time in captivity writing letters to diplomats to negotiate his release. Pope Paul VI even made a public statement calling for Moro's unconditional release. On May 8, 1978, Moro was subjected to a supposed people's trial by the Red Brigades. The next day, he was woken up at 6 a.m. and told that he would be released. He was moved to the parking garage of the apartment and placed in the trunk of a car. He was then shot and killed by Red Brigade's leader, Mario Moretti. As a result of Moro's assassination, the Red Brigades, which previously had very much popular support, fell out of favor among left-wing Italians. In addition, the Communist Party was stripped of almost all of its power, but the Red Brigades would not stop there. On December 17th, 1981, U.S. Army officer James Dozier was kidnapped from his Verona apartment by the Red Brigades. Originally from Fort Myers, Florida, Dozier had graduated from West Point in 1956 in the same class as Trenton, New Jersey native Norman Schwarzkopf Jr. Dozier's wife, who was present during his kidnapping, was chained up in their apartment while Dozier was taken to an apartment in Veneto. He was held hostage for 42 days before being rescued by Italian police on January 28, 1982. While Dozier's rescue was seen as a victory for the U.S. and Italian government, the same could not be said for American diplomat Lehman Hunt. On February 15, 1984, Hunt was ambushed by the Red Brigades at his house in Rome and fatally shot in the head. This led to a massive crackdown on far-left terrorism in Italy, and many Red Brigades members were either arrested or fled to France, where they were granted asylum by socialist French President François Mitterrand. Meanwhile, the far-right simultaneously perpetrated similar acts of violence. In 1972, several members of the New Order detonated a car bomb in the town of Petiano, killing three police officers. In October of that same year, National Vanguard terrorists placed bombs on a railroad track in Casino. The bombs were detonated in an attempt to prevent people from attending a nearby labor union. 
Union rally. Five people were injured by the bombs. In 1974, the New Order bombed Piazza della Loggia in Lombardy during an anti-fascist protest. Eight people were killed and 102 were wounded. The case was closed for decades, and a verdict wasn't reached until 2015, when Carlo Maria Maggi and Maurizio Tramonte were each given a life sentence for their role in the bombing. There were several more attacks by far-right terrorist groups, but none could compare to the Bologna Massacre. On August 2nd, 1980, members of the armed revolutionary nuclei planted a suitcase bomb in the Bologna railway station. At 10.25 a.m., the bomb exploded, causing the roof of the station to collapse. The attack killed 85 people and injured over 2,000. This attack led to the forced dissolution of almost every far-right terrorist organization in Italy. In 1988, the remaining far-left terrorist groups were dissolved as well, declaring, quote, the war with the state was over. Italy has had a peaceful few decades since the years of lead, but the Bologna Massacre remains the deadliest act of terrorism in Italian history. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Historia Obscura. I'm certainly glad that I had a chance to work on my Italian accent. If you want to suggest an episode of Historia Obscura, send me a voice message at anchor.fm slash Historia Obscura slash message. Feel free to leave your name and location, and if I like your idea, I'll make an episode of it and give you credit. Additionally, if you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash Historia Obscura and become a patron. And of course, I can't go without once again thanking this episode's sponsor, Anchor. They are by far the easiest way to make a podcast, so if you want to make your own, go to anchor.fm. With that said, this is Jack from Historia Obscura, signing off, but not for long.